Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go back to Acts 10. We've been there in this series. I want to go back tonight for the reason as we start talking about how to receive healing. Uh, matter of fact, I'll tell you what. Go, go first with me, please, to Romans 4. Let's back up for just a moment to Romans 4. Uh, over here in the book of Romans, chapter 4, to what we were talking about this morning. <clears throat> Let me just tie in from this morning what we were talking about into tonight. Because again, Brother Hagin, and I've seen this in my life, Brother Hagin said the biggest challenge of helping believers to receive healing is to get them to not consider their body and to get them to consider Jesus. It is such a challenge in our lives where we're dealing with stuff in our bodies, attacks, pain, sickness, disease, stuff obviously doesn't feel good, to not consider that. To truly get our focus off of that and get our focus on what it needs to be. So let's just emphasize that again as we go through the aspects of what we're going to talk about tonight of different ways to receive. Now I'm not going to exhaust them all tonight because when I come back with you I'm going to talk about one of the most significant things for a believer as to how you can not only receive healing but walk in divine health. Amen. And in Romans chapter 4, again, talking about Abraham and the promise God gave to him, in verse 17, he tells us clearly that he had said, I have made you a father of many nations. Yes. Well, the Bible clearly tells us that we've already talked about over and over again, we're not going to be the redeemed, the ransomed. We already are. What were we ransomed from? <clears throat> death. Death. He ransomed us from the very grip of death and everything that came as a result of it. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So this is what faith does. Faith doesn't call what is as though it's not. If you're calling what is as though it's not. You're focused on what is. You're considering the problem. Faith does not call what is as though it's not. It doesn't look at cancer and say, I don't have you. What are you focusing on? Cancer. You, you, faith doesn't call what is as though it's not. Faith calls what's not as though it is. So you don't say, cancer, I don't have you. What do you say? I'm cancer free. My body's healed. Amen? Amen. So you got to get that because I promise you this also ties in with not considering the wrong thing. So God who calls those things which do not exist as though they did. One translation says he calls into existence things that don't exist. Meaning in the natural. They exist in the spirit. It's just bringing them forth into the natural. 18. Who contrary to hope Abraham... Who contrary to hope and hope he believed. So he became. Say he became. Now what did he become? What God said he already was. God said I've already made you a father of a multitude. Because he considered the right thing and not the wrong thing. He became and called those things that were not as though they were. 
because he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, he became the father of many nations according to what? According to what? What was spoken. spoken. That's the word. That's why we got to consider the word, Jesus, who is the word. So in his case, so shall your descendants be. 19, not being weak in faith. Say he wasn't weak in faith. Watch this. How was he not weak in faith? He did not consider his own body. I want you to understand something. Romans 12, 3 says you've already been given a measure. Actually, really in the context, it says the measure of faith. You've been given the measure of faith. For a lot of Christians, they think still, I still need more faith. The truth is you need to start using what you got. You just need to realize I've already been given the measure of faith. And so like Abraham, what I have to do is not allow that to obviously become weakened by looking at the wrong thing. How do I weaken my faith? By looking at the wrong thing. He, not being weak in faith, did not what? Consider his own body. You look at the wrong thing. You look at the circumstances. You do have faith, but you weaken, listen, you weaken its ability to work. So he goes on to say here, because already dead, since he was about 100 years old, verse 19, in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Say it. He did not consider the natural circumstances. Just combining him and Sarah together, he did not consider, say it again, the natural circumstances. Healing, listen, as much as I'm going to cover tonight, we're going we're gonna to be here for about two hours. No, I'm joking. We're, as much as we're going to cover tonight, you need to get this. Healing, ladies and gentlemen, will not work if you consider your body. Will not work. You're not going to get healed considering your body. If you consider what's going on in your body, pain and suffering, etc., it will not work. You cannot consider your natural body. But you do have to consider something. So it goes on to say in verse 20, he didn't waver at the promise of God through what? Unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith, doing what? Giving glory to God. Remember what Psalm 107, 20 said? Oh, that men would give thanks. Now, why does it state it that way? Oh, that men would give thanks. Because obviously not many do. Oh, that men would, would give thanks. For the Lord is what? Good. He's good. And that means your focus is on the right thing. So again, here clearly, if you're going to walk in what God wants for your life and healing, you cannot consider your body. Cannot. Go to Hebrews real quick, and then we'll jump over to Acts. Book of Hebrews again. You still with me? Hebrews chapter 12. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. So you got to realize this. The average person, if they get prayed over, anointed with oil, hands laid on them, prayer of agreement, you know what most of them do? I know you've never done it. Most of them either immediately recognize looking to their body, whether they feel any better or not, by focusing on their body. Many may, if they don't do that, when they walk out the door, all of a sudden, the minute they feel a pain, the minute they feel a little whatever's going on in their body, you know what they immediately say? I guess I I didn't get healed. So I have a question. Are you ever going to get healed? In the eyes of God, you already are. So to manifest it, you got to do what? See it as already so. So this is when... The brother Hagen learned this truth, I'm telling you. He got attacked in body with alarming symptoms in his heart. 
of what he had had and actually, uh, you know, gotten healed from when he was a boy. This is later on in his ministry life. He's at an actual home with a pastor and his wife. He's in bed, alarming symptoms. And he said it was really, really painful, really struggling to get through it. And he's like, Lord, I don't know if I can take this pain much longer. Now, I'm going to tell you one of the best things you can do when you're challenged in life of getting focused on the wrong thing. Guess what he started doing? Praying in the Spirit. And when he started praying in the Spirit, the Lord said, consider not your body. Consider not your body. And so he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to lay here and I'm going to do everything I can to get my focus off of my body and not consider my body. And he said, initially it seemed to be working, but then all of a sudden the symptoms came back and guess what he said? Lord, it's still there. What's he doing? Considering his body. So he started praying again. As he started praying again, the Lord said, consider him. Consider him. He knew exactly what he was talking about. He had his Bible there. He opened it up right here to where I'm about to quote to you. In Hebrews chapter 12, we'll add verse 2 with it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Was the cross a joy? No, it wasn't. How did he endure it? He didn't look at it. He didn't consider it. He didn't focus on it. What he focused on? What was on the other side? He focused on his resurrection. He focused on all the lives, yours and mine, that would come into glory by going through what he dealt with. So he didn't consider that. He actually looked beyond it, and for the joy that was set before him, he dis- even despising the shame, he eventually did what? Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He made it through the cross, resurrected from, glo- uh, resurrected from the dead, seated in glory, victorious above all the works of Satan. Look at verse 3. For consider him, underline it. For consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You'll never receive healing considering your body. No. You could actually get prayed for, have hands laid on you, anointed with oil, the Holy Spirit goes to work. Not every healing is that moment instantaneous. But even if it was... All the devil, what a lot of Christians have to do, is bring a little symptom back on them, and immediately they start considering their body, and when they do, guess what? They all of a sudden take their focus off of what it needs to be on, and that's the Word of God and what Jesus said and what Jesus did. And the moment you do that, it's like open the door to Satan to come back in. So you must learn, when I get to this latter part of this teaching, I'm going to show you not only how to walk in divine health, but how to keep your healing. But that won't happen if you consider your body. So when my body gets attacked, what do I know? It's difficult. It's painful. It's not fun. I don't like it. I don't like going through it. But you know what I can't do? Focus on it. So initially, how do I deal with this, Pastor, that I don't focus on it? You, the redeemed. What do you say, though? What do you say? You speak to it initially and you say, you know what? You don't have a right to my body. You're not Lord of my body. Jesus is Lord of my body. I put you on notice. I adjure you. I command you to leave this body now in Jesus' name because Jesus is Lord of my body, not you. Now, I can't tell you how many times. When I learned this from Brother Hagin, he initially actually talked about it in relationship to the last headache he had, which was back like in the 1950s. At the time I was listening to this teaching, like 35 years later, he said, I ain't had a headache in 35 years. He said, I've had some opportunities to have some, but I passed them by. You know why? Because he acknowledged the Passover lamb, and death has to do what? 
He said, the last one I had, I was leaving the office. I was pulling out of Rama. As I got my vehicle, all of a sudden this pain started in my head really bad. And he said, as I'm driving to the gate to leave the property, he said, no, devil, in Jesus' name, you are not Lord over this body. Pain, you're not Lord over this body. I command you to go right now because Jesus is Lord over my body. He said, by the time I got to the gate at the end of the property, the pain was gone. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've done that in my life with a relationship to even just a headache or some type of a symptom. Another thing you got to do is realize the moment you actually experience any kind of a symptom, don't put it off. Don't, you got to look at like a, an intruder just walked through the door. What are you going to do? Let him sit down and have lunch with you? <clears throat> but some Christians do it with a relationship to attack on their body. They don't say anything right away. They don't say anything. They just kind of hope it goes away, whatever, and then it gets worse, and then it gets worse, and now it's like, oh my gosh, I better go get somebody to pray for me now. Well, listen, by the time you've gotten to that point, you're so considering your body already. You've made it a whole lot harder to not consider your body and only consider Jesus. You should go after it the minute a symptom shows up. You need to look at any symptom in your body of that which is not of God, just like an intruder walked in the door. And guess what he's doing? He's opening the door himself, and he's starting to step in. He's saying, I want to come in and hang out for a while. And you know what you need to do? Say, listen, you are not Lord over my body. You don't have a right to come into this house. You don't have a right to live in this house. Jesus is Lord over my body. I command you to go now in Jesus' name. And once you've done that, guess what you don't do after that? You don't consider your body. You dealt with the symptom. You dealt with whatever it is. What if the symptom's still there? You don't consider your body. Because you know the devil, man, he'll sit there and look at you for a while, holding the door open, knowing he's got to leave, saying, well, maybe if I just hang around a little longer, they'll recognize me again and let me come in and sit down. We're going to get any good amens tonight. So you cannot consider the body, the natural circumstances. What do you do? You consider him, Jesus. So there's two key ways you can consider Jesus instead of considering your body. One, acknowledge what the word says. Just like we've been talking. The word of God declares Jesus is Lord over my body. He has ransomed not just my spirit, not just my soul, but my body. It belongs to him. By his stripes, healing belongs to me. And therefore, I'm going to acknowledge, looking to him, what the word says. So considering him, one, talk about, acknowledge the word, declare the word over your life. Number two, start praising him. Start praising him. Because if you know you've got a victory, guess what you should be doing? Praising him. So like Paul and Silas, you don't wait till the stocks fall off and the gates of the prison doors open. You start praising him and then the stocks fall off and the prison doors open. So you've got to consider him. Amen? Now go to Acts chapter 10. As it relates to this, go to Acts 10 again. Quick question again for all of you great Bible students here in this church. Quick question. Where does all sickness and disease originate? Satan, which ultimately means it originates from where? The spirit realm, which obviously ties back to the devil himself. He's a spirit. He's not a body. It manifests in the body. When we're dealing with something in our body, what we're dealing with is we are dealing with what we know is a work of Satan. And that's why you have the right and the authority to kick him out. Because you know you've been given authority to trample on. 
trample on, trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So you got to keep reminding yourself, any attack on my body is an attack of Satan that I can address from a perspective that I know he's under my feet and he's going to stay there. Now, you might be dealing with some stuff over time, let's say arthritis, let's say some injury issues of some joints or things or whatever. You're going to want to get into that next message because I'll show you how you can fix that. Most of the time, it's not going to come the way we're talking about tonight. It can in some cases, but most of the time for believers, it's not going to work that way. Acts chapter 10, again, very clear, verse 34. Peter opens his mouth talking to Cornelius, remember, and his household. He said, in truth, I perceive God shows what? No partiality, has no favorites, doesn't pick favorites of over anybody. But in every nation, whoever simply does what fears him, <clears throat> shows reverence for him, and does what? Works righteousness is accepted by him. What do you mean works righteousness? Acknowledges their rights as a child of God. Acknowledges I've been given the gift of righteousness. I have the right to what Jesus died and paid for. <clears throat> I'm not through some acts of righteousness going to earn it <clears throat> or get it on my own. I'm going to get it by faith in the righteousness that God gave me, which gave me the right to what he provided. 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is what again? He is, he is what again? Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God did what? What did God do? At that time when Jesus got you know, baptized in the river Jordan, he got also anointed with the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. What's anoint mean? <clears throat> to rub on, smear on. That's all it really means in relationship to how it comes. God anointed or rubbed on or smeared on with Jesus. He did so, he did with what? The Holy Spirit, which also is including what? His power. With the Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus took that, that very anointing of the Holy Spirit and he went about what? Good. Doing good and healing what? All who were oppressed of the devil, for God was what? So we know if all the root of disease and sickness and all that stuff originates from Satan, and that's how we get, eventually get that in some relationship to how it comes into our bodies and manifestation, guess how we get healing? You get it actually the same way, but from a different source. <clears throat> you get healing the same way. But from a different source. You don't get it in the natural. You don't get it out of the natural realm. You need it to manifest in the natural realm. But guess where it comes from? It comes from the spirit realm. More directly, the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus go about healing everybody? By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came upon him. He now has the power to heal. He healed nobody till after the Holy Spirit came upon him. So all you and I got to do is find out how do I tap in to this power of the Holy Spirit? How do I get this Holy Spirit? And the cool part about it is if you're a believer, he's already in, you're carrying him around everywhere you go. So in fact, the truth is you've got, you've got healing residing in you every day. Amen. So what I've got to do is figure out how do I tap into that and get that to come into my body? How do I get what's already in my spirit to flow into my body so that I can see Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit affect a cure and a healing in my natural body? So clearly we know this is where sickness and disease comes from. Healing again comes from where? From the Holy Spirit. 
from the Holy Spirit. So any person on the planet that is a carrier of the Holy Spirit is a carrier of the healing power of God. Yeah. Go to Mark 11. <clears throat> Say it. Every believer. A little louder, please. Like you're interested in tonight's study. Every believer. Say it. Who's born again, obviously, is a carrier of the healing power of God. What you need in your body is already in you. Now, you can also obviously see this work through another believer, yes. But the reality is, at some point, God, just like you parents want to see your kids grow up, God wants to see you grow up. God wants to see you learn how to access this by your own resources, by your own ability, so you don't have to have somebody else to get it. And as a believer, you've already got that power in you. If God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, and then he went about doing good and healing all with that very presence of the Holy Spirit, and I've got the Holy Spirit, that means I've already got what I need to be healed. I just got to learn how to tap into that. So in Mark chapter 11, we clearly understand according to these scriptures that reveal about what we understand about faith, significant to anything we receive of God in these teachings is a key factor of what we got to learn about how to receive, in this case, what we're talking about, healing from the body, excuse me, healing for the body from the Holy Spirit. So verse 22, Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Now, the phrase is have the God kind of faith. But if you have the God kind of faith, guess who your faith is in? God. God. Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, underline it, he will have whatever he says. Wouldn't that include healing? Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, I know you know the phrase, but underline it if it's not, believe you receive them and you will what? Have them. So how, pastor, do I tap in to this healing power? So this is, again, I'm going to give you basically uh, in the rest of our time together, four different ways to receive healing according to the scriptures. Now, this isn't all. I'm going to get into another one, again, significant for us to learn about and actually have operating in our life day in and day out. But I'm going to show you four different things of what the Bible does reveal of a way that we can tap into that healing. If I have a personal prayer that I offer up to God, believing that I receive healing as I pray, what did he say he would do? I would have it. What's my part? Believe I've received it. When... Do I believe I'll receive it? When you pray. pray. Not when you feel like it. Not when it's manifest. When do I believe I'll receive it? You ready? You ready? You ready? Before you have it in the natural. You believe you receive it before you have it in the natural. Christians want to know they have it in the natural, then believe they receive it. That's not how faith works. So number one way... I can receive healing is I or you can simply offer up to God the prayer of faith, believing we receive before we actually get it in the natural, and God will see to it that we have it. Now, remember what we talked about. That won't work if you keep considering your body. 
Because you're going to nullify faith by considering your body. I have to consider Jesus, the one that made this possible, my Passover lamb. Because of my Passover lamb giving his body and blood, guess what has to happen? Thank you, Miss Linda. So now we got two people that got it figured out. The rest of you are going to stay after class tonight. And I'm going to test you until you get it right. By the way, what I'm teaching on, there will be a test. The devil will see to that. So, so you got to understand this. I got to believe I receive it before I have it. That therefore means I'm not considering my body. What am I considering? What he promised. His word says, by his stripes, I am healed. So let me explain something about these four things. Number one, you can have your own personal prayer offered up to God, believing you receive, and he said you'll have it. Here's a key to all of these four things relating to how you receive from God. You ready? It's called a point of contact. Because in all these four areas, you have to release faith for it to work. And to release faith for it to work, guess what you need? A point of contact. Somewhere where at some point I now become one with that point of contact to now release my faith and receive what God said I could have. So what's the point of contact here? Well, you can't believe you receive without knowing what the word says. So your point of contact here is what the word says. You've got scripture for what God says is yours that you can actually ask him for knowing he's already provided it. That's your point of contact is those scriptures that you're standing on when you now do what? Believe you receive. So at the time you believe you receive, your point of contact is what? Your faith being released in that word that you're standing on, I now have it. Without a point of contact, there'll be no faith released. Your faith has to be released. Say, I already have faith. Again, for many people, the problem isn't that they don't have faith. The problem is that they're not using it. You have to release it. And to do that, there needs to be a point of contact. Here, your prayer offered to God based on the word of God. There's my point of contact. The moment I actually speak what God's word says and believe I receive it, boom, point of contact. Right then, you got to accept in your heart, it's already mine. And if I believe I receive it, what did he say? He said, you would have it. Amen. How many believe God? Yes. Now, this is difficult for a lot of people to do on their own. But yet it is a way that we can receive healing from God because he said you would have whatever you ask. You would have whatever you say in relationship to God's promises. Again, verse 24, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. Well, is that for anything at all, Pastor? No, because the point of contact is again what? It's the word of God. So once you know you got a promise from God's word, you have a point of contact of which when you pray, you can now release your faith. And the moment you do, and if you leave your faith to work, guess what will happen? He'll see to it that you have it. Amen. Again, this is something I can do on my own anytime because very clearly the one thing that he said in verse 23 I can't do is I cannot doubt in my heart. Nope. Cannot doubt in my heart. <clears throat> so if I doubt in my heart, does that mean I don't have any faith? No. It does not. What's the result of doubt as we just found out in our last series? What causes doubt? Double-mindedness. Remember what James 1 said? A person who doubts is a double-minded man. What will he receive from the Lord? Nothing. Why? Because it causes doubt. And doubt doesn't, quote-unquote, take your faith away. It keeps your faith from working. 
Guess what doubt causes you to do? Get you focused on your body. Get you focused on the circumstances. Well, what is it that produced that? You are a double-minded person because you're looking at two things. You're looking at your body and you're looking at the word. In the case of healing, to be double-minded is you're focused on two different things. You got to get zeroed in, focused on God, accept what God says, believe what God says, nothing else, and therefore remove doubt and then release your faith. So I got to have a point of contact. So for the prayer of faith here, this is what we call this, this personal prayer, prayer of faith, because you're believing you receive. For the prayer of faith here, you've got to have a point of contact of which you can release your faith on. That's the word of God. You can't believe you receive if you don't know what God's word said. This is why Brother Hagin said, faith begins where the will of God is known. You got to settle your heart once and for all. God's not going to heal you. God doesn't say, I'll only heal certain ones. God doesn't say, well, not everybody gets healed because I teach people some stuff with sickness and disease. You got to get it set on your heart. Healing belongs to me. It's my right as a child of God. And why do I know it's my right as a child of God? Because the Passover lamb. Where sickness and disease rooted in, it's rooted in the work of death. Satan ultimately came as a result of sin. And my Passover lamb has already done what? Given his body, shed his blood, so that if I will acknowledge it, yes. in this case, as a personal act of faith, death must pass me by. It will have to leave. So this is called the prayer of faith, or I just called a personal prayer. You don't need anybody else. There's no agreement with anybody else. I mean, you're agreeing with God, but it's not like another human. Nobody's laying hands on you. Nobody's anointing you with oil. You're just simply releasing faith on your own through the prayer of faith of which is a personal type of prayer. Now, if you would, go with me to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Now, again, you can get healing any of these ways. It's not like only one works for some, one works for another. In relationship to how people seem to have faith to exercise it, it seems that way. But the truth is, if you do what these things say, they'll work for anybody. They'll work for anybody. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, really simple verse to look at here, 19. 18, 19. Jesus said, again, I say to you that if two of you, how many? <laughs> if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is where? In heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they what? That they ask, asking the Father, it will be what? It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So number two is what we know is the prayer of agreement. Prayer of agreement. This helps people where maybe they might have their faith working to some degree, but yet they're still obviously battling in some ways with total belief on their own. Well, they can get somebody else to agree. Now listen, prayer of agreement doesn't work unless you got somebody that truly believes that you're already healed. Because they got to pray the prayer of faith. Amen? And all you got to do is agree. And this is a way that God's gotten many, many people healed over the years through many different ministries where people simply say, would you agree with me in prayer? Now, realize a lot of people will say, hey, I need you to pray with me in the prayer of agreement. Well, one of the things you need to ask sometimes people when they ask you that, you need to ask them this question. Are you going to believe you receive when we pray? Do you believe without a doubt that you're already provided healing? 
And at the moment we pray, it's a done deal. If they say anything other than absolutely yes, then they're not in agreement. If you go to get somebody to pray for you, they got to be in the same agreement. They got to believe it's going to happen the moment you pray. I don't mean like necessarily be manifest necessarily, but it's already done in the sight of God. We've already received it in agreement. So guess what? From that moment on, it's a done deal. And the person that's praying, obviously to get the healing, no longer what? Considers their body. All they consider is what Jesus said here. So what's my point of contact here? The agreement of the other individual. The agreement of the other individual. And we still know it's based on the word, but realize this, what I'm doing is I'm getting an agreement with another individual who will pray this prayer of agreement with me. So my point of contact, what do I got to do? Release my faith. So my point of contact here is the moment we release our agreement, it's done. That's my point of contact that I say, done deal. I got it. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't ever consider my body again. I just consider what Jesus said. If you don't really believe that it's already so, then the prayer of agreement won't work. A lot of people are kind of hoping, kind of believing maybe, who knows. But I'll guarantee you they still go by what they're feeling and not what what the Word of God said by a prayer of agreement. The moment a prayer of agreement's made, it's over with. It doesn't matter in that case whether the healing anointing came out of their body or the healing anointing rose up in your body. If you're both believers, it's there. You may feel nothing, but in the prayer of agreement, God may actually bring the power of the Holy Spirit to them and to you, or they might just actually in agreement with you, actually in, in, in prayer of agreement and faith, obviously agreeing with you. They may not have that happen coming up out of them. It may just come right up out of you. We don't care whether it comes out of each, in, which individual it comes from. We just got to get in agreement and then do what? Release our faith. So what's the point of contact? That prayer of agreement. The moment that prayer of agreement's made, there's my point of contact. I believe I receive and I will have. Amen? Amen. Go to Mark 16. Mark 16. So these are basic different ways of what we can see in the Bible clearly of how people can receive healing in relationship to what we acknowledge according to the Bible, what's already ours, what Jesus has already provided for us. In Mark 16, so number one is personal prayer and or what we would call the prayer of faith. Uh, The second one in Matthew 18 is the prayer of agreement. Mark 16 is another way we can actually get healing. Mark 16, verse 17, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Jesus said these signs might follow. Excuse me? They will follow. Who will they follow? Those who what? Believe. In my name they will... Cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Last part of verse 18, they will lay hands on the sick and they will do what? They will recover. So this here is the third way that we can receive healing by the laying on of hands. By the laying on of hands. Now, really, in relationship to a prayer of agreement, they may lay hands on you. They may not. They don't have to. You're just two of you agreeing. 
I would always encourage in a prayer of agreement, you at least hold hands with the person. Some ways a point to make a point of contact to release your faith. So in this case, by the laying on of hands, if I go to a believer to have hands laid on me who believes in healing and will pray over me the prayer of faith, what's my point of contact? As, as soon as they lay a hand on me, Jesus said, if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Now notice the statement recover. Again, meaning that it may not always be instant. But the moment I have done what? Release my faith. You have to release your faith. Point of contact. I tell people all the time when I pray for them that when you come up, when I lay hands on you, right then, there's your point of contact to release your faith to say, I received that anointing. I thank God Jesus is Lord over my body. I thank God that healing anointing is now working in me. My body is healed in Jesus' name. You don't say, well, it's recovering. You say, nope, it is healed in Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit goes to work, and it might be a form of recovery process, but if you release your faith at that time in which hands are laid upon you, Jesus said clearly, if you lay hands on the sick, they might recover. They shall recover. <clears throat> now, it won't work if they don't receive it or if the person praying doesn't believe it. Did you hear that? So the one laying the hands on somebody has to believe in this, but the one getting the hands laid on them has to receive it. And know the moment hands are laid on me, I'm going to release. You just got to in your mind. A lot of times it's best to prepare, your for, prepare yourself for this stuff. So in relationship to the personal prayer, prepare yourself. Get a verse. Tell yourself, the moment that I declare that verse, ask the Father and believe I receive it, that's it. Right then, I'm releasing my faith and it's done. The moment this individual gets in agreement with me and speaks in agreement with me as I pray, the moment that agreement happens, that's it. It's done. I'm going to release my faith and receive it in Jesus' name. In relationship to laying on the head, the moment hands are laid upon me, the moment that person lays hands upon me, I'm going to receive it right then in Jesus' name. Brother Hagen, when he was a young guy, actually gotten healed from his heart condition. At one point, he actually had some paralysis that set back in his body on the right side of his face. And he literally could not, you know, move his face normally. And his jaw was kind of, I think, hanging down or whatever. Looked kind of funny and stuff. And so he had a, uh, friends of his that he knew. And they're like, oh, man, your face is all messed up. What happened? He said, I don't know, some paralysis or something. But, and he wasn't real good of understanding yet all these things about healing. So he said, you know what? I'm headed down to Pastor So-and-So's house, pastor of the only church in town that believed in healing. And I'm going to have him lay hands on me. Because the Bible said if he lays hands on me, I'll recover. Amen. And I'm going to receive my healing the minute he does. Amen. And so some of these actual friends of his follow him down there. He goes into the house. He tells the pastor, I need you to just lay hands on me. Put your hand on me. Jesus said, if you lay your hand on me, I'll recover. You pray the prayer of faith. I'll release my faith. It's a done deal. So the pastor put his hand on him, didn't anoint him with oil, just laid his hands on him. He's releasing his faith as a point of contact through the laying on of hands. So the moment he laid hands on him, he said, I could not tell you what that minister prayed. I didn't listen for his prayer. See, some of you mess up by listening to the prayer. I didn't listen to the prayer. Why? Your faith isn't in the prayer. Your faith isn't what God said. God said that if a believer lays hands on you, it didn't say if the believer lays hands on you and just prays the perfect prayer that you think would be a perfect prayer. You know, when you start listening to the prayer, guess what you're not doing? Releasing your faith. 
And he said, the moment he laid hands on me, I knew, I prepared myself before I, um, on the way to South, before I ever walked in that house. The moment, I forget the pastor's name, the moment pastor so-and-so lays my hand on me, I'm releasing my faith right then. I'm receiving my healing. It's a done deal. And he said, so I don't know what he said. I just felt his hand come off of me. Therefore, I opened my eyes and I knew he was done. But he was so fixated on releasing his faith, he didn't even hear what the guy said. Didn't he hear it? And he got up. He said, thank you, pastor. I'm healed. Guess what? His face looked no different. He walked outside and his friends are looking at him. And they said, wow, I guess it didn't work. He said, what do you mean didn't work? Well, look at your face. Oh, no, man. I'm healed. Well, Kenneth, you're not healed. You don't look any different than you were before. He said, I don't care what you're looking at. I believe the word of God. God said, if hands were laid upon me, I would be healed. I would recover. I'm healed in Jesus' name. No, you're not. I can see your face. I don't care what you see. I don't care what you see. I'm telling you, my God said, if hands were laid upon me, I would receive my healing. I release my faith. I'm healed. So they kept bugging him. Well, after a while, some of them left. He goes down, eventually on his way home, had, had a gal that was a friend of his, stops by their house. She said, you need to come in and see my mama. So he takes her, she takes him into the house. She says, mama, come here. So she comes up. Kenneth thinks that he's healed. Look at his face. He's not healed. He says that pastor prayed for him, but he's healed. But look at his face, mama. He's not healed. And he said, yes, I am. I'm telling you, I'm healed because I don't consider what I see. I consider what God said. God said, if hands are laid upon me, I would be healed. I tell you, I'm healed. No, you're not, Kenneth. Finally, her mama spoke up and said, you know what? You might want to just kind of be quiet about this because maybe Kenneth understands some stuff about this. We don't know. He's a miracle boy to begin with. He was supposed to be dead and he's living and alive. And I forget her name. Polly or something like that. He said, I'm telling you, I'm healed. Well, no, you're not. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm healed. So he went home. He woke up the next day and guess what? His face is totally normal. He goes back the next day to his friend's house, Polly or whoever, and she looks at it and she says, hey, it's different now. Wow, you must have got healed. He said, I did. He said, well, she said, did it happen last night? He said, no. Well, it must have happened last night because when you left here, you weren't any better and now it's totally normal. She said, it had to have happened last night. No, it happened when I was down there at that pastor's house when he laid hands on me. No, I saw you after that. You weren't, so here she is still arguing that you weren't healed. He said, yes, I was. Amen. <clears throat> Can I get a better amen? amen? So, point of contact means you do what? You immediately go into faith mode. And you release your faith, and therefore you don't look at what's seen. You only look to Jesus and consider what God has said. Amen. James 5. <clears throat> James chapter 5. Say, so praise the Lord, somebody. Praise James, the Lord. James 5. But you've got to understand this releasing of your faith. It's absolutely critical that we've got to understand that faith has to be released through a point of contact. And if we do that at the time in which we're honoring what the Word says, and you stand in faith, and you then release your faith, and know it's already done, not going to be, guess what? You're going to see it happen. James chapter 5, verse 14. James 5, 14 says, Is anyone, anyone among you sick? Let him do what? Now, now wait a minute. Think about this, friend. Who's this written to? This is written to believers in a church. 
that obviously James was a part of, James was one of Jesus' brothers, is anyone among you suffering, in verse 13, pray, anyone cheerful, sing psalms, 14, is anyone among you again, what? Sick. Question. Do you ever notice it's a question? Why would you write a letter to a church and say, hey, is there anyone there sick? Because we're not supposed to be. Today, you wouldn't write a letter with a question mark. Hey, anybody over there at that church sick? You know what you would write to most churches? I know 80 to 85% of you are sick. In most churches. I'm not saying all, but many churches today. Well, this is a question. Why would he ask the question? Because it wasn't normal. And God doesn't want us sick. He wants us well. Notice this. What should he do if there is any sick? He can call for the elders of the church. Is this the only way? Can he pray the prayer of faith? Yes. yes. I said, can he pray the prayer of faith? Yes. Can he get a prayer of agreement? Yes. Can he get hands laid on it? Yes. But he can also do what? Get anointed with oil. Yes. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name. In the name. Come on. The name of what? Jesus is Lord over your body. This disease and sickness does not have a right to be here. So they pray the prayer of faith. Notice it says 15. And that prayer of faith will do what? What will it do? Save the sick and the Lord will do what? Raise them up. It goes on to say if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now why does he address that? Faith works through love. Love. Confess your trespasses. If you have gotten out of love relating to somebody else, what should you do? Fix it so you can release your faith. But again, what's the faith in here? The faith is in the anointing oil that the elders are going to anoint me with. And I don't care about the prayer they pray. I'm not listening to the prayer. I, as a point of contact, what do you got to have? Point of contact. I'm going to do what? Turn my faith loose. And the moment pastor or an elder anoints me with oil, right then should be your point of contact to say, I receive it now. My faith is loosed in Jesus' name. I thank God, body, you are healed. Jesus is Lord over my body. As far as I'm considered, it's a done deal. Not going to consider my body. Not going to consider what I feel. I'm now considering what the Word of God said. My faith has been released, praise God. And therefore, I receive what Jesus said is mine. My body's healed. Now, realize when we talk about releasing faith here, you could actually release faith and then get out of faith by going back and considering your body. Think about how much challenge Brother Hagin had with all his friends to consider his body. But he stayed in faith. No, I've already received it. Praise God. No, I'm not going to get it. I already have it. Praise God. Well, I can see your face. I don't care. Well, look at your face in the mirror. I don't need to. Why do you not want to look at your face in the mirror, she said, because I'm already healed. No, you're not. Look at your face. So I'm just telling you, folks, everything about this natural life is going to try to get you to consider the circumstances. So the fourth way here, obviously, is through the anointing of all by the elders of the church. Now, not one of these is the only way God says to get healing. All of these will work. All of these will work. 
But the truth is, you don't want to go from one to the next to the next to the next. If you're going to, if you're going to try to exercise faith in one of these areas, you need to decide how you're going to receive based on what you believe in and release your faith when that opportunity comes for that point of contact. What's the point of contact here? Simple, the anointing of oil. Is there any specific, quote-unquote, thing special about that oil? Nope. Nope, it's just oil that man's made. It comes from the earth, but it's oil that man made. What's it represent? What's it represent? Holy Spirit. Where's my healing coming from? Holy Spirit. Can I get a better amen? amen. Acts 14 in closing. Acts 14. So I'm going to show you that you could actually believe in healing. But again, if you don't release your faith like we've talked about tonight, it won't work. It won't work. You can have faith for healing, but until you turn it loose, it won't work. How do I turn my faith loose? You got to have a point of contact. You listening? I'm going to say it again. How do I turn my faith loose? You got to have a point of contact. Oral Roberts, who is one of the greatest healing ministers God used in his lifetime, and who knows how many countless thousands of people were healed under Oral Roberts' ministry. The Lord taught him that any relationship to something you're believing for, but walking in relationship to faith with God for, you need a point of contact. Because you need somewhere to say, I release my faith. Yes, to where you release your faith and, go to, and let that faith go to work. But a lot of Christians don't. They don't have a point of contact. They come up, get hands laid on them. They're not only obviously waiting for to feel something as hands are laid on them, listening to the prayer. Anything changed yet? Do I believe that? Praise God. I hope something happens. Oh, I sure hope I get healed in Jesus' name. See, there's no point of contact of a release of faith. There was a place for a point of contact, but a point of contact is all about what? Releasing your faith. Let me show you that in an actual example in the book of Acts. You ready? Yes. Acts 14, you there? Yes. Verse 8, Acts 14, verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Never walked. A cripple in his feet from his mother's womb never walked. Verse 9, this man did what? Heard. Underline this. Heard Paul speaking. Now, because of what results here, I'm going to tell you what Paul was speaking. Paul was speaking about healing. Paul was revealing in some relationship, maybe not specifically these words, but he was relating to the fact our Passover lamb, the blood of Jesus, the stripes of Jesus, something to, to the effect Jesus has already provided healing for us. Now, we know that because of what happens here in the story and what you see clearly of his response after him hearing Paul speaking. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, in the midst of him, uh, in the midst of Paul speaking, he observed him intently. This guy caught his attention. He observed him intently and notice this, underline it, seeing that he had faith to be healed. Stop right there. Seeing that he had faith to be healed. What did Paul observe about this man? He has faith to be healed. Why is he not healed yet? That's not enough. Huh? No. That's not enough. You can have faith to be healed, but why is the guy not healed yet? Why is he not healed yet? Which does what? Release his faith. He has not released his faith yet. 
He has the faith to be healed, but he's not healed yet. If the story stopped there, Paul quit talking to him, Paul stopped paying attention to him, and Paul just ignored him after that, guess what? The man wouldn't, we would not see the miracle of the healing of this man's feet. Why? Doesn't he have faith to be healed? Yes, he does. The Bible wouldn't lie. Paul looking at him intently, verse 9, seeing that he had faith to be healed. How did Paul know that? Probably by the Holy Spirit. In preaching the word, he could just tell. This guy catches his attention by the Holy Ghost. He's still preaching. You know he's talking about healing. You know, because obviously, this, how's this guy going to have faith to be healed? So you know he's talking about the fact this is already done deal. Jesus has already provided healing. However, he's wording it. But he notices he's preaching. This guy's getting it. You know what pastors and what ministers do teaching the word? They recognize when somebody gets it or not. It bothers you when people don't. But he recognized this guy's getting it to the degree that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit somehow shows him, reveals to him, he's got the faith to be healed, but he's still not healed. That's the point I want to get across. He's still not healed. Why is he not healed again? Because he hasn't released his faith. He's got the faith. Is believing enough? No. Is having faith enough? No. What do you got to do? Release it. You got to release your faith. How do you do that? Point of contact. There's got to be a point of contact where you release that faith and the moment you do, you accept what God's word says. He has a point of contact. What is it? Watch this. Paul again, verse 9, observing intently that this man had faith to be healed, verse 10, said with a loud voice. Now at this point, he already knows what he's hearing from Paul is good news. Who's the good news from? Jesus. So he recognizes this ain't Paul's words. Right. Amen. You listening? Yeah. This isn't Paul's words, but Paul speaks, notice this, inspired by God. Stand up straight on your feet. Notice that. Stand up straight on your feet. What does he do? There's my point of contact. There's my point of contact. What Paul just said, I can stand up straight on my feet. I'm releasing my faith now. I can stand up on my feet. Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Why? Released his faith. When did he release his faith? When he heard the words of Paul. Stand up on your feet. What did he do? Immediately. He released his faith. Acted upon what Paul said. And guess what? He got his healing miracle. You're not going to be healed if you don't do what? Turn your faith loose. You've got to put your faith to work. How do I put my faith to work, Pastor? The only way you're ever going to consistently see your faith go to work is you've got to have what? A point of contact. Where that moment of time where you become one with that point of contact, that moment of time you release your faith. And if you release your faith, guess what you don't do anymore? You don't consider your body. But what else do you do? Faith without works is, you know what you do? You start acting like you're healed. Amen? Amen. What did Kenneth do? With the face, he started acting like he was healed. He didn't deny it. He didn't, uh, excuse me, he didn't uh, uh, deny his healing. He didn't turn away from what God had said. He didn't say, well, I guess you're right. I can know, I can feel it, I can see it. Nope. He he released his faith and he never relinquished it. Never did. A lot of Christians can release their faith even sometimes, but guess what they do? They take it back. Why? Considering the circumstances. 
So you have to have a place of a point of contact to release your faith in these areas that we talked about to receive healing. And if you do, the faith you have will go to work. And guess what will happen? Healing will manifest. Healing will come. Four primary ways we saw tonight to get healed. What's the first one? Prayer of faith or individual prayer where we just believe we receive it. What's my, what's my point of contact? It is the word of God. My point of contact is the promise of God's word that I then release my faith in doing what? Believing it's mine. When? When I pray. So I have his word as a point of contact of which I believe I receive. Boom. I release my faith. And if I do, God said I'll have it. What's my part? In the personal prayer, believe you receive it. What's God's part? See that I have it. Is my part to see that I have it? Nope. What's my part? Believe I receive it. When do I believe I receive it? Before I have it. When will I have it? When you believe you receive it, before you have it. Can I get a better amen? So personal prayer, or what we call the prayer of faith. Number two, prayer of agreement. When do I actually, if you're going to get in a prayer of agreement with somebody, you need to again have a point of contact in that time frame to say, the moment they say I'm healed, the moment they begin to pray, it don't matter where. You don't have to wait until they prayed the prayer. You just got to have somewhere that you say the moment that I now get in agreement with this other person as a point of contact, I release my faith. It's a done deal. Amen. And if you'll do that in a prayer of agreement, turn your faith loose, and you obviously don't consider the circumstances, your faith immediately goes to work. What is faith doing when it goes to work? Where's faith at? Where's faith at? More specific, please. It's in your spirit, man. Where's the Holy Spirit? In your spirit, man. Guess what that faith is like? It's like a hand pump on a well. That when you release your faith, you're pulling up out of you. You're pulling up out of you through the Holy Spirit. Where that healing is, you're pulling up out of you that very power and anointing to come up into your body and heal your body. Or you're pulling it out of the other individual. You listening? So like in the laying on of hands, I believe in God the moment they lay hands on me and they begin to pray, I'm releasing my faith. And if I release my faith, my faith will literally draw on the power of the Holy Spirit to come through them and through their hand and into my body and all of a sudden do what? Affect a healing and a cure. Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? So the third way we can get healed this in context to what we've learned tonight is we can do so how? By the laying on of hands. Amen. You can lay hands on the sick and they might. Amen. They shall recover. Now again, they have to release their faith for it. Amen. And then the final fourth way that we can in this context tonight, what we've looked at, that we can get healing, anointing with oil. But again, what do you got to do? Quit listening to the prayer. Quit getting caught up in all this other stuff. Recognize I have to have a place where as a point of contact, I release my faith. Now, if you are truly questioning or doubting or struggling with whether or not healing really is yours, not in your head, but in your heart, you got to go back to the word and solidify in your heart that that is already so. This is a work that's already been done. My Passover lamb's already come. Can I get a better amen? Where God wants you to be, God wants you to be in the place of your life that you personally can exercise your faith in the authority of Jesus Christ and in the blood that he shed to acknowledge my body belongs to God that no matter where I'm at on the planet, when I get attacked, I can adjure it. And if I'm dealing with something that's been a long-term problem in my body, I'm going to show you how to get rid of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
And I promise you, not only get rid of it, but keep it away from you. Amen. Keep it out of your body. Because God don't just want you to get healed and then obviously go back to being sick. God wants you to keep your healing. Can I get a better amen? So what's the key to tonight? I have to have a point of contact. Come on, where I release my faith. In what? What am I releasing my faith in? God's word, which is ultimately telling us what? What the Passover lamb did. Healing belongs to me. And when I release my faith, I now have to do what? Walk in the light of that faith. Faith without works is dead. I act upon what that word says. I don't allow what I feel, what I see in any way to affect me or to keep me from walking out what I know I already believe is absolutely so. And if I truly stand my ground, Satan doesn't always leave instantly. Symptoms don't always leave instantly because the devil knows that if I can get them doubting, then guess what? I can cause their faith to not work and therefore I can stay rooted in their body. And so you got to realize that the enemy himself doesn't always instantly just leave. How many remember when Jesus would deal with even demoniac people that oftentimes when he would command them to leave them, guess what would happen oftentimes? Then they'd throw them on the ground and start foaming. Why? They don't want to leave. But guess what they know? Guess what they know? Now, remember, remember the guy that had the demoniac son, Jesus and, and, uh, uh, Jesus and James, uh, Jesus, James and John. They're up on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Uh, Jesus, thank you. They're up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Come back now. But remember while they were gone, this guy brings his demoniac son to the other disciples. They couldn't cast it out. Now, they had cast out demons before that. Why could they not cast it out? Does anybody know? As you go through the rest of the story, prayer and fasting is out in most of the translations. As you go through the rest of the story, you find out why. Because when Jesus dealt with the demon, what did it do? It threw the boy on the ground. He began to wallow and foam at the mouth, looking as if he was not free. Guess what that demon did when the disciples tried to cast him out? The same thing. And guess what happened when they saw it? They responded to it. Well, I thought we could cast demons out. The demon said, gotcha. You thought you could. Gotcha. I can stay. You didn't release divine authority. You just thought you could cast me out. But now you question it. Jesus never said a word. Why? Because the moment he spoke, he knows that demon's got to obey. And then the boy all of a sudden did what? Acted like, I mean, like he had died, like he's just laying there dead. And then all of, a, here he, all of a sudden he kind of looks like he wakes up and he's totally set free. Why did the demon, why, the, why did the de- disciples, excuse me, or why were they not able to cast that demon out? They started going by what they saw. They spoke the word. The demon began to manifest in that boy's body, throwing him down. They immediately questioned. I thought you had authority to cast him out. Well, I thought I did too, but he didn't come out. He just didn't come out instantly that second. But if you just said nothing, kept your mouth shut and believed what you said was true, when Jesus come down off that mountain, that boy had already been free. Amen. That's called what again? Releasing your faith. Releasing your faith. I'll tell you one last story. Can I tell you one last story before I go? <clears throat> one last story. <clears throat> I've told you before. The first person I ever cast a demon out of was a gal. She's a believer. She's a believer. Well, I think you could be demon possessed. Not in your spirit, but they can get in your body. <clears throat> so she actually had gone. Let me help you. Don't do this. She had a friend of her say, hey, there's a bunch of these ladies get together. They have this prayer meeting. They pray together, pray over one another. And uh, I think you ought to go. 
I think it'd be a great meeting for you because I know you love the Lord, hungry for God, et cetera, et cetera. None of these people go to our church. We know none of them. She knows none of them, but she goes. And lo and behold, guess what? At this meeting, they start so-called prophesying over each other. Now, how I many you know this ain't right already? <clears throat> Why is it not right to prophesy in that setting? There's no leadership there to, to, to correct it. No leadership there to judge it. None at all. So they start prophesying. They turn to her and they start prophesying stuff over her. And she said, it was like I felt a darkness come on me. It was just weird. I didn't understand it at first. Then I got home. Next thing you know, I'm being tormented. And all these thoughts and I just like, oh my gosh, I'm wanting to kill myself and everything else. She calls us the next day. Pastor, I need help. I've got a demon. I don't know what to do with it. I can't get it out. I said, well, we do. And it was a Wednesday, coming up on a Wednesday night service. I said, come to church tonight. We'll help you. Amen. Now, I had never cast a demon out of anybody yet at this time. And so literally, I had heard examples of others supposedly trying to do it. But most of the examples I heard, they just kept fighting with it, kept speaking to it, kept commanding it to go. So guess what I did? Same thing. Same thing. But guess what you can do under God's grace? Learn. Yes, yes. You can learn. So I had a buddy of mine that was there. Remember Lonnie Gray? Lonnie Gray was there. So I had to have somebody else do the service. Was you guys there in the church then? I had somebody else. Was you? I had to have somebody else. I don't even remember who had to do the service. So we go back in this room with her because I'm not going back by myself with a woman. And so he's there. And initially, man, this demon starts manifesting. How do you know? Oh, you'll know. You'll know. It wasn't her talking. No, this voice came out of her. You can't cast me. I can't even say it as nasty as he did. Spitting and foul and everything. I said, yes, I can. No, you can't. You can't cast me out. And all of a sudden, she starts shaking violently, falls on the floor. Well, Lonnie thinks he's got to hold her down. We don't know. He, he jumps on her. He's trying to hold her down. And I'm saying, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. And she just gets worse. So I just keep saying it over and over and over again. Now, this went on for like 20 minutes. You know how hard at work this is? You think it's easy? I mean, try it. 20 plus minutes. I'm, I'm doing everything I know. Jesus name. No, you can't. You got to come out. And it just keeps laughing at me and talking. Ah, you can't catch me. And I went on and on and on. And all of a sudden I realized, man, I, I woke up really quick. Man, isn't this amazing? I woke up really quick and had this epiphany of a moment. Jesus never did this. What am I doing? I know I have authority. I would have never told her I could have helped her if I didn't know I had authority. But I now realize that Jesus never did this. He spoke one time and knew it's a done deal. I told Lonnie, get off of her. What if she runs around the room? Get off of her. Just get off of her. Leave her alone. Get off her. Jesus never had anybody holding somebody down. Did he? No place in the Bible. He got off of her. He's, he was glad because he was pretty wore out at that time. <clears throat> Demons are pretty strong, man. So he sits down. <clears throat> She's now still kind of flopping on the floor. I said, I'm telling you, once and once only, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you come out of her now. You cannot stand her, and you cannot come back. You foul demon spirit, leave her now in Jesus' name. And I sat down. And she kept flopping around. But he didn't talk anymore. And all of a sudden, just like the little boy, no joke, she just went to total like she was dead. Eyes closed, no movement, just laying there. And I mean, probably for four or five minutes. And all of a sudden, her eyes opened up, and she sat up, and she looked at us, and tears coming down her face, and she said, it's gone. Yeah. 
It's gone. And I said, it ain't coming back. Now quit going to these stupid meetings and sitting under people you don't know and getting around people you don't know. She said, oh, believe me, I'm done with all of that. I'll never go back. My lesson learned was relating to faith when you release faith. Come on. When you release faith, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. If you're going to sit there and try to continue to fight with your body and fight with the circumstances and speak to them over and over and over again, you just think of them like a demon. They're not going. They're not going. Because once you release your faith, what do you no longer do? Consider your body. If I don't consider my body, why would I still be speaking to circumstances in my body? But you know how many people do this? I'm healed in Jesus' name. Body, you're healed. You obey the word of the Lord, you're healed. Praise God. Then they feel another symptom. I told you. No. See, you didn't release your faith the first time. Amen. If I had released my faith the first time I spoke to that demon, guess what? He'd already known he couldn't come out. You listening? Oh, he, could, he would have had to come out. He had already known, I have to come out. But I didn't really, I thought I did, but I didn't release faith the first time. Because what I saw made me convinced that it wasn't coming out yet. I must have to scream louder. I must have to speak, I must have to speak with more authority somehow to get across to this demon. You got to leave. But the revelation came to me, Jesus never did this. He had authority. I've got authority. In Jesus' name, I'm commanding you to come out. Done deal. You got to do the same thing with healing. When you, when you speak to any attack on your body, declare you're not Lord, guess what you don't do? Don't talk to it anymore. No. You listening? You cannot consider your body. You got to consider him. Amen. You got to consider him. Amen. Sit back down, relax and say it's a done deal. Yeah. <clears throat> it's over with. And when that disease or pain or suffering tries to speak to you, what should you start doing? Let me give you a good clue. You ready? Yeah. You ready? Start praising God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I thank you I'm healed. Don't start saying, oh, Jesus, I thank you healed. See, symptoms you can't state. No, 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 don't talk to your symptoms. No, just start thanking Jesus. Start rejoicing and praising him. Can I get a better amen? We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.